Alexander Ovechkin curl and drag to the back end. He scores! Simply sensational! Barzell trying to catch up to this one. Gets there, pokes it, working on wrist alignment. Got through. Barzell between his legs! Oh! Matt Barzell take a bow! Tommy behind the defense, walks in, makes a move. He shoots and scores! Mario Lemieux just beat Hextall! Minus three with Dave Damashek. Oh, yes. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to one of the great sports weeks in one of the great sports month on the sports calendar. Welcome to Minus Three, presented as always by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long, whatever that season is, for exclusive offers and odds boost. FanDuel, more ways to win. And of course, when you're doing it, do it at FanDuel.com slash minus three, the word minus the number three and follow along. At minus three pod, Eddie Spaghetti. These are exciting times. Like I say, the NHL is red hot. NBA, the guys have their feet up a little bit um, for for about 24, 48 more hours after the All-Star game. I don't care about All-Star game, so I don't really want to indulge that conversation too much here. And of course, it's conference tournament week. What I say is it's kind of like the same thing as Thanksgiving is to Christmas. That's what the conference tournaments are to March Madness. March Madness is great, and so is Christmas, but I kind of like Thanksgiving better because it's just the start of the holiday season. If you're a college basketball fan, let the holiday begin here and now as these conference tournaments tip off. And I'll, you know what? Because I'm in the giving spirit, let me give you a couple of picks here. A couple of final four picks here that I think are nice. It's a little chalk. I've been talking about them lately. I'm going with the Illini. I love the Big Ten this year. It's top-heavy with great teams, some of the best teams in all the nation. I think, uh, what do they say about that? I can never get it right. Iron uh, sharpens iron or whatever. Correct. So the Illini have been sharpened officially by uh, by Michigan, Ohio State, Iowa, and the rest. Illinois, uh, plus 200 to get to the Final Four. The other time, a team I like. Um, from a pretty good conference, and uh, I like I like what they've got going up front, especially Florida State plus three fifty to get to the Final Four. Those are a couple of college basketball picks that you can make in the here and now, and probably aren't going to be terribly impacted by what happens in these conference tournaments. And of course, we're going to have some hockey talk coming up here with our man Josh Yoey from the Athletic, a great follow. And uh, if you are uh, a member of the Athletic, you definitely want to be reading his insights on the Patrick Division slash Mass Mutual Division. Um, Spaghetti, we have a little pseudo matinee coming our way. Your blue shirts, my Pittsburgh Penguins, last seen vanquishing those New York Rangers in Pittsburgh. They're getting it on again. That's why this hockey season is so delicious. Um, The Penguins still giving a goal and a half. What's the latest on that one there, Spaghetti? Yep. If you hit fanduelcom slash minus three, you'll see the Rangers are getting a goal and a half tonight, or I guess this afternoon for us, uh, for the West Coasters. Um, they're playing the Penguins there, and uh, the goal total is six and a half. Uh, personally, I know that not all the games have gone to hit seven, but tonight, because Keith Kincaid's in net for the Rangers, I'm not sure if that bodes well. So I think there will be a lot of goals scored. I like that over six and a half. I also would take the Rangers a uh, goal and a half. All, a lot of the matchups, most most of the matchups have been close, have been a one-goal game. Um, I think the Rangers' offense will show up much more so than they did the previous game versus the Penguins. So I would take Rangers goal and a half, and I would take the over tonight. Yeah, I kind of like that. They've played five times so far this season. The Pens have won four. Um, it's, uh, I think, uh, 
three of those games were one goal games. Yeah, I'm with you on Kincaid. He's a backup's backup. He played well on Sunday, but that doesn't mean that um, he's going to continue to uh, perform at that level. And uh, the Penguins' top six forwards are really starting to get it rolling, specifically Geno Malkin on a roll there. You might want to throw a little something on Geno Malkin there. I do think that um, the over six and a half is a fun play there between these two teams, uh, offense heavy on both sides of things. So that's our play there. And we're going to get to Josh Yoey to do a deeper dive. Kind of, we'll treat it spaghetti-like if you're, because like Sal, you, you've heard him. He's a curmudgeon about that. He's a puck curmudgeon this year. He's not into this season because he doesn't like all the head-to-heads and they'll play outside the division. I happen to love the way it's going. It just engenders more hate than already existed for me with all these teams, with the Flyers and uh, your blue shirts. I Frankly, I don't fear them. I never have. But I hate Islanders. I hate the, the Flyers. The Capitals don't really scare me that much. Yeah, but if you haven't been following – all along, then um, this is a good place to jump in and we'll try and uh, and give you everything you need to know so you can jump in for the remainder of the regular season and into the playoffs um, with Yoey's insights. And we'll also talk some Ovechkin, uh, what the Islanders are doing so well this season, so on and so forth. But some news real quick here, Spaghetti. Dak Prescott, another big QB chip to fall, QB league in the uh, our off-season game of Q Blinko here. Dak Prescott has been dropped, bonk, 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 and he fell where he started with the Dallas Cowboys. 42-ish million for the next three years. How say you? A good move to secure what I say. I know For whatever reason, Dak doesn't have as many fans as somebody who's played at his level you would think has. I mean, I feel like been clutch in big spots. The team has stunk. And, you know, you've you've known their fate oftentimes during his career by November, not necessarily um, to blame him. And then I guess that kind of points to my issue with signing De- Dak Prescott for that level of loot. I think he is better than Jared Goff. Given a few seasons to watch them side by side, I think he isn't better than Carson Wentz. And as I say all the time, the one mistake you don't want to make in this era of QB saturation is paying a guy long term if he ain't that guy. If he's not one of the eight or ten best QBs, don't pay a middle class guy and try to make him into a first class guy based on how much money you're giving him. I think Dak is in that top ten, maybe top eight, and I think he can win a Super Bowl. I just don't know if given the way the last couple of seasons have gone in Dallas, if this is the best bet for them or if they'd be better off to let Dak go out, hit the market and use that 10th pick or maybe try to move up and get who's ever there. Trey Lance should be there. Justin Fields might be there. I don't think Mac Jones is necessarily all that inspiring, but I think given this QB crop, they could reboot, get a a, a good quarterback on his rookie deal and maybe would be better positioned for the short term. I know they have nice collection of pass catchers. It's hard to move on from that because you can say, Oh, Dak with CD lamb and company, they should really light it up in 2021 and in a pretty weak division. I think it's a, a, a smart move. You don't want to let the real deal Dak Prescott walk out the door and go into the great unknown. I don't know though, that they're close enough to getting to a Super Bowl that it is worth it to devote that level of bank and that amount of the salary cap to Dak Prescott when the team has struggled to even be eight and eight the last few years. How say you, Spaghetti? 
I think this was the move they had to make, uh, mostly because you just mentioned with the division. If they, in theory, if they don't want to keep Dak and they go and make a move in the draft and they and they take, let's say, Trey, you know, Lance or whoever the court, Mac Jones, whoever it is, they are now basically saying we're not competing in this the NFC is this season where I think that's a mistake because I think personally you can cancel out the Eagles. I think personally you can cancel out Washington. I think the Giants definitely have some holes, but the Giants may may be around 500. You know, there's a pretty big range for the Giants, I think, this year. So really, if the if the Cowboys did that, they didn't keep Dak, which I think would have been a mistake, and they take a rookie quarterback, they're basically just handing the division away when they could get it with Dak. So, and then once you get in the dance, you're in the dance. All, all it could take is a, a great playoff run by him. Like you said, great group of pass catchers, a couple of good games by Cooper and, and Lamb, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a title game, and who knows what could happen. So I think that's the move they have to make. Obviously, you want to win with a quarterback on a cheap deal, but uh, Dak, I'm not sure how many quarterbacks I would take uh, ahead of Dak. I mean, he's mobile. If he comes back healthy from this injury, he's a big guy. He could run the run pass option. He gets a ton of criticism, but it's it's like really how many quarterbacks are are better? And I know I'm going against what I argued with you uh, weeks ago that I don't buy into you need to get this up like super elite upper tier quarterback to succeed in the NFL. I think in this case, if you have a guy like Dak on your roster who isn't a top tier, keep him because it's dumb to get rid of him. But uh, this move will affect the rest of the roster for the Cowboys. And if you've been paying attention, their all line is not what it used to be. Ezekiel Elliott's not who he used to be. Um, their linebackers, there's been a lot of problems. You know, Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch, and a couple of years ago, you would say, wow, it's a great group. They kind of underwhelmed last year. And Demarcus Lawrence is, you know, still uh, a, a beast, but he's kind of by himself. Their secondary is not very good. So there's a lot of holes in this roster, and it's really now up to Dak. Could he and those those receivers? Could he just somehow kind of you know put them on his back and carry them to a, a first place finish? So that's really going to be the interesting storyline for the Cowboys this whole year. I think I I, I think right. I think the best uh, the best argument for it is the the division that they're in. Although if Washington lands a QB, that'll be interesting to see how good they could be because with that defense, you assume that that's going to dominate, um, the, uh, uh, Maroon four, as I named them is going to dominate in chase Young's second go around in the NFL. So, um, I, I can't wait to see who they do end up with it at QB would it be Cam Newton maybe I don't know where they're gonna go um so I I guess it does make some sense and just to make sure we're clear on this spaghetti it's not that you can't compete with a middle-class QB you can't compete perennially that's the trick you can be fine you can get by you can win a division and you can maybe make a deep playoff run but that'll only happen one season or so at some point, if that if you don't have the real deal at QB, it's going to be diminishing returns. You watch. You get, let New England get Jimmy Garoppolo, as they um, reportedly are anxious to do. Let's see how that works out in 2021 for them. And, of course, we keep our focus on all things Northeast in Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey, and, uh, and above all in the Northeast. Um, in the AFC North, we now know Roethlisberger's back. I like that as a short-term proposition. We've covered that at great length. If you want to hear the reasons why it holds up, and I think the logic is sound, go back and listen to the recent episode of Minus 3 that we did with Mark Boley from The Athletic. Deep dive on that if you want to get uh, the info on why I think that. Who do you think, though, on the NFC side of things? I'm a little unfair. We don't even know who Washington's QB is going to be, although we do hear that uh, Jeffrey Lurie does want it to be 
Jalen Hurts and the owner says it, you think that probably means that he will get the first crack at the gig in Philly. I don't think that's a great choice. I think they should really be using that sixth overall to get one of those uh, quarterbacks that we mentioned there. Who do you think, however you want to evaluate this, I don't think we have the futures numbers yet, um, the props yet, spaghetti for um, the QBs, but how do you stack them up? One, two, three, four. Let's do it in terms of uh, touchdown passes, let's say, as a, as a, as a decent fundamental um way to to regard these QBs. Dak is the prohibitive favorite to lead the division in touchdown passes, right? Wouldn't you say? He'd have to be for sure. Yeah. I just think for the style of play, I think. Yeah. I I mean, I said, I said before that I think the Cowboys, I assume they were going to keep Dak, which they did, which is a smart move. And I think that they will win the division. I think uh, because they have the best quarterback. Also it is early on. We're recording this March 9th. This is before free agency. This is before the draft. I think the giants have to do a select few things to be in the conversation. Um, I do think as of now, before the, the Washington gets a quarterback and the Eagles question mark at quarterback, they're in the best position uh, behind the Cowboys, but D- uh, Dak far and away should be, I mean, he should be near 40 touchdown passes. If you think about it, because if they're not gonna be able to run the ball effectively with Zeke, at least Zeke can catch the ball and you have uh, an amazing group with, with Gallup and Cooper and, and uh, Lamb, like we we're saying that they're going to have to throw the ball over the yard. If he's healthy, I mean, 40 is a, a target number, I think uh, for, for Dak and the, and the Cowboys this season. It's interesting too, um, before we move on, with the with the Cowboys, yes, so much has been based around like you know back to that wasn't just yesterday either. Romo to Des Bryant um, in Lambo that feels like uh, a couple seasons ago, but that was uh, that's getting pretty deep in the rearview mirror. But those good Cowboys teams, it really might have made some hay if you know that Des catch counts. You know, I don't know how how deep the Cowboys go. They play Seattle the following week, who they had already beaten up in Seattle. So, um, but looking ahead, if I, you know, everybody is projecting that they take a corner. Uh, I, I keep seeing, uh, depending on which guy you like, that uh, the Cowboys are going to go after a corner. I don't know, man. It's it's really a tough spot we're in because you see the Buccaneers go and win the Super Bowl because of their defense. And um, the Saints have been really good, less because of Drew Brees. And, I mean, Kamara and Michael Thomas, great. But the defense has really been – dynamite and and green bay became relevant again because the defense got good so i don't know what the cowboys should do what they now don't have to do with dak in the fold is um worry about a qb at 10 so do they go penny sewell if he's there if he slips that far there are two guys that great i don't know anything about offensive line play except what the experts tell me like our pal jeff schwartz and he's over the moon about penny sewell and if sewell is the real deal. And he falls all the way to 10. I think you go with that because I think as we sit here in pro football in 2021, defense matters, but I think you have to cobble that together. And if you can make a a powerhouse offense, I think you should do that. And if you can land a potentially dominant tackle and establish what made the Cowboys relevant when Zeke was really going and Dak almost got the Cowboys over the hump in the AFC playoffs, I think yeah, you, you should uh, do that. But anyway, like you say, Spaghetti, we're just getting going with free agency. It's one of the things that makes March one of the – I used to say this – this it's jive when people would talk about the, that March is the best sports month. But 
NFL free agency has made it way more interesting. And we're just at the front end of that. Chris Godwin getting tagged. Uh, we hear there down in, in uh, Tampa, Bud Dupree not getting tagged by the Steelers, as some people had speculated they might do there. Um, and what do you think, Spaghetti? Should we jump in on some puck talk? Like I said, I want it to be a uh, what you need to know to follow the mass mutual division, you and uh, Mikey meatballs kibitz about it on our second podcast every week that we do with, uh, with Kevin Hench right in front of the weekend to get you right with the best bets and everything. Should we jump in on some puck talk here? Do you have any, uh, any other current events you want to, you want to kibitz about the only other current events. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to our good pal, Kyle long, who's making his, transition back to playing in the NFL. Apparently tweets are coming out that he's, you know, at 315 pounds in the best shape of his life. He's healthy again. Um, we know Kyle a little bit and he's just an awesome guy as is obviously his brother, Chris, uh, just two great dudes and like, good for him. Obviously he, you know, took some time off to heal up and he got bored of the uh, retired life. Although I think Kyle definitely has a place in the media somewhere. He's just uh, an ultra talented guy and a funny guy, but uh, good for him getting back in the league. I, I think, you what know, what a scamp uh, offensive line. Like we know, always he, talk about, especially when we had w- with Jeff is like, it's so important. If he could fill a need for a team, like uh, people are going to want him. So he's just a free agent. Anybody can grab Kyle long right now. I believe so. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, we, we got to track him down. Cause I, I mean, I, uh, he's a scamp because he, he uh, pretended like there was no chance he was going to do it. Then some videos showed up of him working out and it was like, what are you doing that for? You're retired, man. You don't have to lift weights ever again. Um, hey, quick shout out though, by the way, to, to a longtime pal, Josh Fair, from Irvine, California, a longtime member of the Czech Republic. He sent me along. He's sometimes, it's very nice. We appreciate it. Uh, you don't uh, have to feel obliged to send us presents or anything. We appreciate you following along and uh, and betting at fanduel.com slash minus three. But Josh dropped me along. He went the extra mile. He sometimes sends me fruit or coconut uh, peanut butter. And now he sent me his new invention. It's the burger smash. It's to make those good, like kind of burgers, you know, the thin ones that taste like uh, old school kind of burger joints do. It's a burger smasher. Um, track down. I'm going to give it a try. I haven't cooked with it yet, but I appreciate you sending it there. Josh Fair, um, a, uh, a member of the Czech Republic in good standing. Um, thanks for doing that. But what are your thoughts, Spaghetti, about these conference tournaments? I, 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 I They're a little bit undermined by the teams that aren't playing for anything that they know that they're safely in the tournament. And the number one, like Michigan as a, for instance, is safely going to be a number one seed, no matter what happens here. And yet do you buy my logic here that it's just the start of the holiday season and that's what makes it so fun. Well, I love, I mean, this stretch is great because you have, uh, you know, NBA right now for if you're a New York, uh, New York Knicks fan, the Knicks are actually pretty good. Uh, the Rangers are still right in the mix. And then you have baseball around the corner and the Mets and Yankees both should be pretty good this year. Yankees, hopefully the division winner. Uh, so you combine that with the March Madness. That if we, you know, the conference tournaments, if, if everything goes smoothly and we get those, everyone stays healthy. We have those and we have the, the you know, the big, the big tournament. Uh, what makes it even more fun this year is our fantasy futures bet for all of us at extra points. Uh, I took a a flyer 
Um, I've had some friends, a little couple of birdies in my ear telling me that the SEC, best in the SEC, Alabama, um, you know, they're not only just good in football, they're good in basketball too. I took them 2000 to one to win the, the whole tourney. I thought, you know, uh, I looked into a little bit and, you know, they seem like they have a pretty solid roster. I know everyone this year loves Gonzaga and you, everyone loves Michigan. You keep hearing the same Villanova, you hear the same few teams, but this is a weird year, you know, not a lot of blue blood. So it's like, if there's going to be a year that Alabama could win this, you know, sure. Let's, let's watch them win, uh, in, in both, uh, in both sports. That'd be a lot of fun. Excellent. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll do a little bit of a deeper dive, um, on March madness, um, Later in the week and uh, at the start of next, once we see what the bracket looks like, of course, one of the great um, sporting events that doesn't have any actual sports in it up there with the start of free agency um, in, in pro football um, used to be the trade deadlines. They, they tend to underwhelm. Um, I love when the, I, I love when um, they do the NBA draft lottery and they reach in the thing. That's that's been some juicy stuff that would be on the winner stand for best sporting event that doesn't have an actual sport in it. I guess NFL draft. You got to say that one. Anyhow, let's, uh, let's set all that aside right now. And uh, let's do a deep dive here on the most exciting division in what I consider to be one of the most exciting hockey seasons in recent memory. Let's talk about the Patrick division, AKA the best mutual division with our pal from the athletic, Josh Yoey. Yo, we, yo, yo, all right, here he is, everybody. My go-to for all things puck specifically when it, uh, when it pertains to the glorious mass mutual division, also known as in my heart, the Patrick division from the athletic. It's Josh Yoey. What's happening, fella? Uh, it is a pleasure to be here with you this morning. In fact, I, I've, I've been waiting for the call for quite some time. Uh, to join the show. So it is an honor. Well, Yoey, I, like I say, you are uh, for real on my short list of go-tos when I have uh, when I have real questions that need answered about uh, what's going down in the NHL. And last time I saw you, it was in the bowels of the Penguins arena. Um, uh-huh. I think it was uh, press availability before a game one night, and that was a, a few years ago. And much has changed and much has stayed the same with the Penguins specifically. And I, I do... Well, let's start here because this is a, a little bit of a philosophical debate. It seems for for any longtime puck enthusiast, how do you how does this season strike you? Because I find it heavenly. I think this is the greatest uh, season that I can recall in in uh, in the NHL. Just playing the same teams over and over again. How say you? Well, and I will say this: when when you have a shortened schedule. It's a cliche to say it, but every game is that much more important. You can't have a four-game losing streak. If you do, you're screwed. So there's an intensity level with every game right now that you typically don't see in the dog days of the season. So that is great. And listen, we've already seen, what, like six Penguins-Capitals games? Like, I can't get enough of that. I, I love that. I mean, and you know, there's a part of me just selfishly because I like traveling. Like, oh, I kind of miss Vancouver. Or I kind of miss going to L.A. in February. You know, so selfishly, there's an element there. But yeah, in terms of the hockey, um, it's like the playoffs just never stop. You got you got four months of the playoffs and uh, and the games have been good. And this division is so good. I mean, you've got four really or five really good teams and you got Eddie's Rangers who aren't totally terrible. Then you got the other two or bottom feeders. But still, it's uh, no, it's good stuff every night. I agree with you. 
Yeah, if you're a glass half full guy and you root for, depending on which team in the Patrick division, as I'm going to call it from from this point forward, um, you, you know, the Penguins are well positioned because they haven't played the Sabres, who are the bum team. They are the clear cut bum team of the division. Um, yeah, I just love all the head to heads. It's very much what, if nothing else, if you can't enjoy this. Look at it, watch this game, and realize how spoiled we are as 21st century fans if you like the diversity of foes night after night. This is what the original six looked like for 25 years. A quarter century, you played the same five teams over and over. And if you were, if you got the short end of that stick, if you were the New York Rangers, as a, for instance, with no hockey history there, people don't know this. It's a, a, here, here's a little uh, a minor bit of history for, uh, for the listener out there. The original six, if you were within, I think it was like a 50-mile radius of city center, that team had negotiating rights first with you. That's why the Canadians won the lion's share of Stanley Cups because all the best hockey players were in French Canada there, and Toronto was good, and Detroit was close enough to the Canadian border. Those are the teams that won the Stanley Cups. If you were one of those American teams, Chicago or, or New York, you had basically no shot because who was playing sta- who was playing hockey in Manhattan in 1953? Very few people. Anyway, that's kind of what uh, – what this season shapes up like. And, uh, and Yoey, let's dive in here. Um, what, what, I guess let's uh, go global and then we'll work our way back. What four teams do you think ultimately get in there? Like we say, I mean, I think the blue shirts have a shot of making a little run that little run here. It's unlikely though. Goaltending blue line probably prevents them. So it's down to five teams. Which team do you think misses out? Yeah, the Blue Shirts have a Panarin-Putin problem as well, which isn't helping them right now for sure. Um, yeah, we know, <laughs> we know there's five teams fighting for four spots. I said before the season, I thought the Capitals were the odd team out. I'm going to stick with that. There's no right or wrong choice. It comes down to this. Barry Trotz doesn't miss the playoffs. He just doesn't. That Islanders team, they are so smothering defensively. I will not pick against them. I still think the Bruins are the best team in the division. They're just so deep and they just do everything well so you got penguins flyers caps right those three teams left the flyers are good um they're deep uh, they're, they're just built to win in the playoffs if they get there so that that leaves me with penguins and capitals i like the penguins goaltending better right now jari's playing much better than he was before and uh when it comes to crosby versus ovechkin at the end of the day we know who usually wins that battle um and i've seen the capitals play in person a lot this year like five or six times already they're still good. They're still they're like a football team on the ice. But let me tell you something. They are slow. That is one of the slowest teams you will see. And you see it in person. I think it's going to catch up to them eventually. Um, so my hunch is they'll be the odd team out. But it could be any of the five. That That's the beauty of this division. Boy, I, I, it's funny. We really do park our cars in the same garage on this one because it's no, it, it, it's not really, I guess, ultimately a slight to the Caps. They just happen to no. be in this in this all time rugged, uh, you know, division of death here, and that's exactly what jumps out to me. They look outmoded as a as a uh, um, 
as a, a group of 20 out on the ice. They just they look slower than whoever they're playing within the division. I'm kind of with you and a major factor here. Now they survived the first one without Tom Wilson, but no Tom Wilson now for the uh, handful of games going forward here. And like you say, you slip up for three or four games that can end up putting you out of the mix. Um, What did you think about Tom Wilson? Where do you come down on this? I know that there's a lot of like now, Hey, he's the kind of guy you want on your team and the Penguins (laughs) You know, for instance, most recently, as far as a guy like that goes, it was Matt Cook, probably. And a lot of people mm-hmm. hate that. Where do you come down specifically? I, To me, Tom Wilson has had at least one too many um, incidents here where he is now clearly the Vontez Perfect of, uh, of the NHL. And, and it's hard to defend him if you're the Capitals. How say you? No, I agree with you. I am reminded of a story. I'm going to take you back about 10 years and this is funny because they would later become teammates. I was having a conversation with Brooks Orpik, and Brooks told me, he said, when you play Name hockey, as long, <laughs> he said, when you play hockey as long as I have, he said, you know when somebody's trying to hit you, and you know when someone's trying to hurt you. And he, he was talking about Ovechkin. He said, Ovechkin tries to hurt you when, he, when you play against him. He absolutely does, which always was interesting to me because they would go on to win a cup together, so I guess they made their peace. But when I watched Tom Wilson play, He's trying to hurt people. Uh, he, he's not trying to be physical. Mm. He's not trying to be a force of nature. He's trying to hurt people. It, it's really obvious whether it's whether it's by the book or not the way he hits people. Uh, it's very clear what's going on. And I don't think he will ever change as long as he remains in that organization because that organization has itself convinced that they're the victims, that Tom Wilson's the victim, that he doesn't do anything wrong, that the league is out to get him. I was in D.C. a few weeks back when the Penguins played there, and he cheap-shotted uh, Mark Jankowski, which probably could have been a suspension on that hit. And I could hear plain as day Peter, Peter Laviolette from the bench yelling at the refs, he's allowed to hit somebody. So that, that's the mindset right there. They think the league is out to get him, and I think the rest of us see it completely differently. We see a player who's trying to hurt people. Matt Cook changed. He changed in his 30s, so it can happen. Um, but he changed because Mario Lemieux and Dan Bilesman, Sidney Crosby all said to him, Hey, you got to change. We, we can't employ you any longer. If you're going to keep playing this way, I don't think Alex Ovechkin or Peter Laviolette or, or, or Teddy Leonsis, I, I don't think they care that that's my sense. It is kind of, I, I mean, I talk to my 11 uh, year old boy all the time, Jacques-Claude Van Damaschek about this very thing. You cannot continue to throw your hands in the air and say, but but she started it. But it was like, like if you are the common factor in in repeated incidents, maybe it's you. Maybe it is you who who is they say like. But I didn't start it this time. All right, hey, there's something called recidivism in uh, in the legal system and in 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 the NHL. It's undeniable, Tom Wilson. You keep showing up with this. You mentioned Ovechkin, and you know I, I I'm kind of with you. I mean I've. Him leaving his feet in the in the offensive zone to belt guys is is scary and everything else. Um, and uh, we'll set that aside and just talk about his goal scoring greatness. For you, first of all, where does Ovechkin rank among the the goal scores? I'm talking about pure goal scores. I, I think um, that, we, that you've seen. I don't know if you're old enough to remember Mike Bossy, but for me, he 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 often gets left off of this list. But yeah, I'm not. I was born in 1980, so I, I don't. You know, really recall Bossy and his prime, although I think he might be the most overlooked superstar of all time. Just look at the numbers, my God. Uh, right. 60, 
the greatest goal scorer of all time. And I, anybody who disputes that is wrong, but I would rank Ovechkin second. Uh, he, the way he, I mean, listen, I've, I've seen the guy play in person for what, 15 years. I still get kind of excited watching him take one timers, even in warmups, because I, I've never seen a guy put all of his body into a shot. Like he does. He never fans on a shot. It's unbelievable. Just the way he obliterates a hockey puck. I, I've never seen a player quite like him. He's just such of a star, you know, everything about him. Um, I will compare him to 66 in this, and I know you'll agree with me. When I was a kid and I saw Mario play for the first time, like 1986, I, I, I can still remember it so vividly. And you know it too. When he played and you were there in person, the only person on the ice you watched was him. You, you, you didn't watch anyone else. Your eyes were just fixated on him because you knew he was different than everyone else. And Ovechkin's like that, even more than Sid in some ways. And Sid's had the more impressive career if you added add it all up but Ovechkin just has a star power that you just have to watch him at all times and uh, you know the way he can score goals he's a little off this season but I'm sure he will heat up soon as he always does um there's only one of him uh, you know there will never be anyone quite like him and uh, just the way he's built he never gets hurt uh Russian machine never breaks is what they say in Washington and it it's true I mean there's just something different about that guy well, I mean, it's funny with him, and it's not marginalizing his talent. Although you know, he he doesn't uh, pay a lot of mind his own end, but which is which is fairly obvious if you watch him. But um, to your point, yeah, it's like he, he he's this two dimensional guy, which is um, to say he doesn't need to become three dimensional offensively. He's just such a hammer. I've never seen the equivalent. His shot is so overwhelmingly heavy that the goalie has to so sell out to stop it that it leaves the puck sitting on the doorstep a lot for his teammates to clean up. It's kind of like, I guess, like, I don't know when Shaq, the first whatever half decade he was in the league, it's like, all he does is dunk. It's like, yeah, what else does he have to do? It's an unstoppable premise uh, at some point that he's going to just steamroll you. No, I'll, I'll give you another name drop. I'm in the Penguins locker room. I don't know, six or seven years ago now, probably. And they had the stats up on, on the television in the locker room. And it said Ovechkin at the time, he had like 22 goals and six assists for a season or something, something outrageous. I looked at Crosby. I said, Jesus, he's like going for the Cy Young with this stat line this year. My God. And Crosby looks at me and he says, you know, if I could shoot the puck the way he could, I'd probably do the exact same thing. So, so yeah, I mean, even, even the best players in the world are like, yeah, when you can shoot the puck like that, what an unbelievable weapon. Um, so yeah, he's, he's a marvel. He really is. Um, and it's funny. I know Pittsburgh fans, you know, there's this huge rivalry, this you know, hatred, whatever you want to call it. But I do feel like in recent years, there is even here in Pittsburgh, a little bit of an appreciation now for, for how great he has been and just how great the rivalry between the two of them. I've turned on that too. I well because he softened yeah. a little bit. When you see him laughing yeah. it up a little bit, I I, I with with uh, 71 and 87, it's hard yeah. for me to engender the same level of hate I used to have. Yeah, and he doesn't try to kill people the way he once did. I just think he's probably slowed down a little bit when he was like 22. I mean, he was literally jumping into the glass trying to headhunt people. I right. mean, he really he really was a dirty player back then, and, and he got away with a lot. Um, he doesn't do that as much anymore. And, and yeah, you know, his relationship with Malkin is weird. 
Um, back around 08, 09, he was trying to kill Malkin during games. There was major bad blood. He, he got into a fight with one of Malkin's agents in Moscow one summer and punched him in the face. And like weird stuff was going on. But then the one dinner with Ilya Kovalchuk solved everything before the Olympics, I think, in 2010. And they've been buddies ever since. And Crosby and Ovechkin don't really like each other that much. There's like this weird friction between them. But there's still like a lot of respect. Huh. It's weird. Like they're not like like Magic and Bird are actually friends. I think. Like I don't think Sid and Ovi are ever going to be friends. But there's kind of this like begrudging respect between the two. But I don't really think they like each other that much. And I I kind of like that. That that, that adds to the rivalry a little bit. I find. I I mean, listen. I generally I I say about uh, football players. Stop with the jersey swap after a game. Uh, yeah. No one wants to see that. WWE it a little bit for us. Would you please, fellas, do that on your own time. All we want to know is that you hate each other. So I retract what I said 90 seconds ago about, well, it's hard <laughs> to maintain that level of hate. But they're countrymen. Gino and Ovi can get along. They they date back. Uh, their, uh, their country predates their time in the NHL. So I'll give them both a pass on that one. Um, regarding Ovechkin, does he, get, uh, does he catch Gretzky? Because all of a sudden, the sluggish... It's not really a start anymore. We're about halfway through the season. And at 36-ish, is Ovi going to be able to generate the goal totals? It's now like 150, 160 away from 99's all-time uh, goal scoring mark. I'm starting to think he ain't going to get there. It's going to be really close. And there are so many questions. You know, he's kind of a mystery. Uh, we don't know that much about him, really. And I don't know if that's because he's Russian and he's not always comfortable speaking in English. All his English is really good. I don't know if it's that. But I don't know how much it means to him. And and I, you know, you always, for whatever reason, with Russian players, you always hear, oh, they're going to finish their career in Russia. We always hear that with Gino. Ah, we'll go back and play in Magnitogorsk for his last couple of years. Like, I don't know. I think I think Gino and Ovechkin like playing over here. I've always had yeah, a Yeah, then you got to go live. The only, the downside is you got to live in Magnitogorsk. Right. To and play your some, home game. Make no mistake, Gino lives in Moscow when he's there. But, uh, but you know, I've always thought Ovechkin was going to do it just because I think it means a lot to him. And when I watch him play, like he's not the same player five-on-five five that he once was. That's pretty clear. Nah. But he is still so great on the power play. Like, I still think he'll be able to score 30 a year when he's in his 40s. Like, I, I mean that if he doesn't, hmm. you know, if he stays healthy anyway. So I think he's got at least a 50-50 shot to do it. And I mean this as a compliment to him, but he's such of a goal suck. Like, I actually think it really means a lot to him to do it. I think he'll, like, stay way past his prime to try to pull it off. And I hope he does it because, honest to God, it'll be it'll be a sad day for all the Gretzky worshipers in Canada, and I'm actually perfectly okay with that. <laughs> I'm with you completely because uh, he's untouchable. You can't catch his records. Boy, I feel like really, <laughs> Yoey, I feel like we need to do a series here and tackle, I, as we're kibitzing here, I'm realizing however much longer we talk here today, it's not going to be nearly enough. We have many important <laughs> subjects to cover here. So let's see we, how many we can get through in here and now, because I have a lot of good questions with you, the boots on the ground. For, here's, here, here's another one for you. Three on three in a, for those five minutes in oh. overtime is – the single best event. I'm not even sure how to couch it. Like within a game, a potential that could happen within a game in any of our four major sports. Better than 
five minutes of basketball overtime. I'm trying to even think of what the equivalent would be. Like I used to pine for it. They almost never called a penalty shot when I was growing up. And so right. it was, uh, it was the Holy grail when it's like, Oh my God, 66, it got him. And now he's going against Kelly Rudy and he's going to shame <laughs> him again uh, in the five hole. Um, all that kind of stuff. But now this th- the three on three is so exciting. It is, it's, and it's also like sharks circling in the water now that they figured out. It seems like the league wide now has figured out, but especially when you're watching the Penguins, these high skill teams where they round out of the zone and they'll skate it out if everything ain't just right. They'll skate it back out over the blue line and loop back around and, and uh, attack as a, as a trio and back and forth. And then if you don't score on that, you always get an odd man rush the other way. Right. The problem is, Everybody can see, well, this is the way it should be, except it would ruin all of the sports history if you just said, yeah, this is how we're going to do it going forward. But right, I mean, the, it, it, it's easily the most exciting, uh, uh, among the most exciting, you know, five-minute stretches you'll see in any sport anywhere. It, it is, and you'll recall in 2005 when shootouts started, that was all the rage. We all love shootouts. Well, now I feel kind of deflated when a game goes to a shootout. That's not as much fun yeah. as three. It's not, and I think Phil Kessel may have been the first guy who figured out three-on-three just to slow the pace down. It becomes like a basketball game, actually. It's just one-on-one. Slow it, it's like whoever has the the puck at at the red line is kind of the point guard, and and you go from there. It's unbelievably exciting, and also the quality of the saves that you have to see. Like A great save can be exciting, too. I was watching an overtime game couple of weeks ago in Vegas or it was on TV and you know, flower made about five unreal athletic saves that only he could make. Um, that's perfect for him. So no, the three on three is great. And I despise all-star games and all sports, but I now watch the NHL all-star game. I even covered a couple of them because it's actually fun to watch and the players love it. It wears them out a little bit, but you, you can tell they enjoy it. So every now and then the NHL, which is not very good at marketing itself, it stumbles upon something that is wildly entertaining. And, and here we are. I I mean, it, it's just, uh, it's so much fun. Um, and it, you almost forget the fact that like, Hey, because both of us are getting a point here, it doesn't really benefit us as much as you think it does. That's the math. When you're all these head to heads, it's like, Oh, good. Well, uh, um, th- that just happened a couple weeks ago where you feel like, okay, we scratched out a, a point there. It's like, yeah, they actually gained ground on us now. It's a, this, it, this, the head to heads, every time you lose a game, it's a swing of four points. It's uh, it really makes everything glad people keep saying it. And it's true. It feels like playoff games. Um, once you get into the playoffs, which team do you think maybe it'll be this year? It does seem like um, there there's uh um, an outsized percentage of high-end teams in this one division. Which team in this division do you think next wins a Stanley Cup? Who? Um, and, and, who's, and who's next half decade would you most want? And I don't think that's going to be the same answer. No, it's not. I, I still think the Bruins are the best team right now, and they could win the whole thing. I I. There's about five teams right now that I think are head and shoulders better than everyone else. I think Tampa's probably still the favorite. That team, man, that team is special even without Kucherov. And, yeah, Vegas, I agree, yeah. If Colorado gets healthy, they're scary. But Boston's right there. That, that team doesn't have any weaknesses. I mean, they are just so solid top to bottom. So they would be my short-term pick. Long-term, however, um, 
Boy, you know, two months ago, I would have said the Rangers because they have a ton of young talent, but I haven't really been impressed with their top two picks the last two seasons. And I know they're children, they're 18 and 19, but you know, Lafreniere, like I've seen him play in person four times. I haven't noticed him. And sometimes that happens. Uh, Vinny LeCavier, his rookie year, when he was 18, he didn't do anything. So I, I'm spoiled because I watched Crosby and Malkin just who are absolute stars from the very beginning. But a little concerning that, that those two haven't been better so far in New York. So that pushes me away from them a little bit. I agree with you, man. Kako as well. And, you know, you'd say, well, everybody burns a little bit differently and maybe it'll take a season or three. But generally speaking, over the history of, of Puck, yeah, you splash. If you're if you're that special a guy, it's not like, oh, he's finally now. He's he's finding his stride in season four. It doesn't typically go that way. Usually by right. season three or historically seasons three through five are your best scoring years, uh, you know, right. just in terms of raw numbers. So, you know, right. uh, Kako is already getting to that place. That's right. And, and you know, Pittsburgh fans won't like me saying this, but Philadelphia is going to be good for a long time. Uh, Carter Hart's season, but I think he's really good. If he gets it together, I could see them winning a cup in the next five years. I mean, that's just a good, deep team. It's a well-run organization. And that's another thing about the Rangers. Like, they've won one cup since 1940, and they've had more money and resources than anyone except for maybe the Maple Leafs. So it doesn't necessarily speak well for how that organization has run over the years. Um, and there is talent on that team for sure. But uh, if I had to pick one long-term, probably the Flyers just because of Hart. I, he's having an off year, but I, I think he's pretty special. Boy, and they are they are brawny up front. Talented too. So skilled yeah. and and big up front. So that leads me to this then because I – uh, uh, something I've lamented in the last, I don't know, three months or so. I've noticed on the banks of the, the three rivers where you are stationed, black and gold through and through, and uh, our pal uh, Mark Caboli, who was on a couple of weeks ago, has scolded you, in fact, for expressing joy, for having the gall to, to be happy, to be a human being in the press box. I don't in, I, I don't appreciate that, uh-huh. Jive, um, when people do that. But, uh, of course, so listen, they uh, – they used to they used to have booze in the press box. When did we become puritanical about uh, being happy <laughs> to see that? Uh, anyway, that's a, a conversation for for another time. Um, I've noticed with the local media that there is a new doom and gloom tone to everything. One, the Steelers are done. It's going to be twenty years until they can find another quarterback. Never mind that free agency in the college football pipeline is far richer than it was a couple generations ago. Nope, it's over. So Steelers are doomed. So too are the Penguins. Oh, they might have some talent, but the window is closed. And I saw you address this in the athletic, in your athletic piece uh, this morning. Track it down, Josh Yoey, of course. Uh, always good stuff on the uh, Mass Mutual division. And I, it's exactly the question I wanted to ask you: Is what is even meant by the window uh, for the Penguins? One and two, is it closed? I don't think it's crazy to say that the Pittsburgh Penguins as uh, constituted, could make a run. The thing in their way is the rugged division. That's right. Well, first of all, we should do a separate podcast on uh, Paula Malo's pick six in the AFC Championship game when I punched Mark Caballi yes. on the right under the press box and caused him some discomfort 
but that, that's another story for another day. Oh, um, I like Eddie Spaghetti. Put 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 a uh, put a pin in that idea, and we have to do it the next uh, month or so. We get we'll get both of these guys, and we'll do all things black and gold, and that uh, will not include the pirates because because uh, right. that's beneath all of us. Uh, that's we only have so many hours on this on Earth. So, <laughs> no. As for the Penguins, I mean, listen. Uh, there's this idea that oh, three years from now they're going to be the Red Wings. They're going to be the worst team in the league. Like probably not. Uh, the fact is they spend to the cap every year. They, they know what they're doing. They, it's a very well-run organization. Crosby at 36 will still be probably a legitimate number one center. Uh, maybe he won't be as dominant anymore. Probably not. But they're going to spend a ton of money. Even if Malkin and Latang leave after next season when they become free agents in the summer of 22, guess what? They're going to you know, they're going to use that $18 million to bring in a couple of big-time players. Maybe that's not the best route for them to win cups. I, I don't know. We know the Pittsburgh method is to tear it down, you know, get generational players with a top pick and go do your thing, but they will still be competitive, I'm sure. They're going to spend the money. So, yeah, it's the same thing with the Steelers. The Steelers don't rebuild. I mean, they, they, they don't, and they still have one of the best defenses in football and a lot of talent. That just because uh, seven's probably going to hang them up after this season doesn't mean they're done. Um, you can find quarterbacks. So, yeah, it's a very reactionary uh, thing with the Pittsburgh media. I don't know why we have to be that now, way. Here's but, what it is. Mm. Yoey, what it is is it's gravitas via cynicism. It, you are going to be right if you say – team blank is not going to win the title this year because only one team will win it. And so the odds are that you are likely going to look smart when it's all done and say, see, I told you they weren't going to win it. Doesn't mean that you have any special insight into these things in the meantime. Yes. yes. You mentioned the outsized luck and perhaps uh force, uh, you know, uh, helping yourself out there back in 84 to make sure you get 66 and uh, maybe yeah. slipping up there down the stretch to get it. I have no, no, no problem at all. If you want to tank it up, the Steelers are not constituted to tank, even if you would like them to, they're too talented currently to, to pull off a tank job. Um, specifically with these penguins though, I mean, I really do. Am I am I too optimistic about the idea of um Kapanen? By the way, see, you're good. Carrot mm. and the whip. You gave him a D plus Kapanen, yeah. and ever since he responded or not. Uh. Yes, he did. Nice job <laughs> by you. Here's my question specifically. Let's get in the weeds on Kapanen a little bit here. The one place where we disagree is, I, I mean, if he is not spiritually a guy who wants to go down low and, and muck it up in front of the goaltender, um, that's one thing. I disagree with you that he is he's not physically built to do exactly that. I think he is the guy to go in, and especially on the power play, as they have discovered that the, the rule, it might be a, um, in fine print or something because it seems like they they – didn't know that this was the case for a couple of years. But in fact, even though you're on the power play, you're allowed to move uh, out on the ice. You don't have to just uh, assume a position and stay there for the two minutes. You're allowed to move around. And of late, they've been pushing a guy into the slot. And that really, to, to you know, a trigger man in the slot, Kapanen's the guy to do that. And I think he could play that role. And, and he's built, he's got that uh, that low center of gravity as far as I'm concerned. What am I missing here with uh, no, Kapanen yeah. being their chief goal scorer going forward. He has way better hands than I realized. Uh, he's had all these breakaways and breakaways are a result of his speed, but how about the hands that he shows when he slows the play yes. down? Even, even the pass he made to Gino Malkin on the two on one, the other night, like, man, that's a handsy play. Um, 
maybe he is that guy. And you know, somebody actually brought this up to me in a Q&A yesterday. He actually is built like Phil Kessel a little bit, and that, that can be kind of an insult. I, I'm sure he's in better cardiovascular <laughs> shape than... <laughs> but he kind of is. He has this low center of gravity, but he can really fly. Um, he's an intriguing player. I only gave him that grade because he disappeared for a few games. Sully benched him. He wasn't happy with him. And he is the only thing I'll say about Kapanen. He does rub coaches the wrong way sometimes. I don't know why. I don't really know him well enough. But he, I know he used to irritate Babcock. He's irritated Sully a little bit. But but he's got talent. I mean, there's no question about it. And and he and Malkin together. I know they got him to play with Sid. Sid loves playing with Brian Ross, so he doesn't care. And Cap, Kapanen and Malkin, they've got something. And Kapanen, for all that he has, the hands and the talent, he plays a pretty straight line game. That's what you want with Gino. You don't you don't want somebody encouraging Gino to play East West. My God, he has enough of that in his game. But uh, I really think they work together, and I think they've got something in him. I do. Well, I mean, I I love that top six even without Zucker, and so where he slots, assuming he does make it back in time for the season, is a I guess uh, one of those good problems to have. But I love their top six. I love uh, Bluger and Tanev together. I think that's a really nasty third line to have to confront. I just wish that the youngsters, the the big brawny youngsters, could have worked out with Angelo. Um, and the other two kids he was out there with uh, a couple of nights ago, because I really think as a, as a notion of that being your fourth line and the speed and the size that they could throw at you, I wish that would have worked out. And do you think, though, I don't like, by the way, philosophically, we talk about rivalry. I, same thing with Brian Trottier. I A lot of people, I was at the game when he was introduced for the first time in black and gold. A lot of people cheered him. Listen, he's an NHL legend after all. He's won four cups and everything. I didn't cheer. I withheld withheld applause for 19. (laughs) I said, he'll have to do something for me and for for my team before he'll get my cheers. He did that. And and, and, uh, he won two more cups. Now, Ron Hextall. I'm not, I, I'm not going to applaud this. I, I can't, I can't support this. He better do something good. Is he going to do something in the short term to help this team out? You know, what's funny about Hextall and I, trust me, I was there as a child, many a night seeing him literally commit felonies on the ice. I mean, he was the most insane Literal felonies. I mean, he was literally insane on the ice away from the ice. And I, I don't know him that well yet, but I, I actually interviewed him a couple of times when he was Philly's GM and now here. He's so quiet and so reserved and kind of a social introvert. It's not like anything you would expect at all. It's fascinating to me. Um, let's He's a see what path. How those guys are. He's a, I mean, he better be careful. He better not. He better not be some double agent working on behalf <laughs> of Philadelphia to to trade away Geno Malkin and I don't know what else. And I, I listen. Just consider my eyebrows. Uh, raised and attentive and i'm watching you 27 and, and not to mention brian burke has never been a pittsburgh kind of guy i mean he's always been uh, yeah. anti-style hockey that's true so no i i might have to let the penguins know that you are leading the way in terms of the investigation if anything goes awry for sure um the good news for him like you said the top six is really good um the top four on the blue line should sort itself out but they've got the right pieces there so I'd rather have to fix a fourth line than have to fix a first line. Uh, that That's an easier job, right? You don't have to sell the farm to do that, but their fourth line is probably the worst in hockey. I don't even know who's on it right now because Mike Sullivan tries a different look every night and it never works. Uh, it's a real problem, especially, Dave, when you look at the schedule. 
They're in the midst of playing 10 games in 16 days. You got to roll four lines a little bit in that stretch. I know Sid and Gino like their ice time. They're going to get hurt or they're going to get worn out. You can't keep playing them a ton and just not playing your fourth line at all. So I think Ron needs to uh, strike pretty quickly here and get that bottom six a little bit of help. I agree with you about the Bluger line. That line's really good, whether it's your third line or it's your fourth line. It it plays either way. It's good, but they need some more bodies down there that can really play. And and one last thing, uh, as we deep dive uh, invariably into the Penguins a little bit, what 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 do you want from me? Um, one thing I've been pointing to is the lack of uh, Brian Dumoulin and his return. Not coincidentally, yeah. has boosted the way the Pens look back there. Latang looks infinitely better. By the way, here's a crazy thought: as much as people hand ring about Latang and rightly so, if you watch him night after night, he gives you reasons to do it just about every game. Isn't it kind of funny with the with the offensive push from him? Here's a crazy thought. Could he work his way into the Norris Trophy conversation? Because I think people will react if you're not watching him every night and you're looking like, well, hey, the old man's scoring some goals here and he's he's uh-huh. logging half the game in terms of minutes. Uh, and he is rounding into shape a little bit. He's not, a, he's not making as many boners night after night, it seems, over the last fortnight. <laughs> it occurred to me, like, what if 58, what if this is the year he sneaks through and gets his Norris? Oh, and it's funny. Voters, I can tell you, take the last six weeks of a season much more seriously than they take the first six weeks, which would absolutely work into Chris's favor because he was so bad early in the season. I, that's the worst I've ever seen him play. I mean, he was – It's I could literally – like, Eddie Johnston sits behind me in the press box, usually in his own little booth. EJ's 85 years old. Every time Chris would screw up, I could hear EJ punching the wall in the press box. Like, he was absolutely <laughs> – I would hear, like, broadcasters slamming their fists down and everything. Like, he was driving everyone crazy. But now you look – like, oh, well, time put up seven points in the last four games. And he's – and he just – he's passing the eye test all of a sudden. And you said it. He's got Dumoulin back. Dumoulin is probably the most underappreciated player on this team uh, in terms of around the league. Uh, the team knows how good he is. Uh, he looks healthy. He, he hasn't been healthy for a while. He's had a bad ankle. Um, I've loved how he's looked the last couple of games. He makes Latang infinitely better. I mean, he really does. Uh, I don't know if Chris can get into the Norris conversation. Maybe, though. Um, there aren't that many guys. I mean, probably not. I'm being silly, but I did think the offensive push of late all of a sudden might raise some eyebrows. No, it will. I mean, listen, he, when he is playing properly, when he's locked in, there aren't many defensemen better because even at almost 34, he can just physically do things other people can't do. He's not a cerebral player. He will make a couple of you know, mistakes every game that will absolutely make you cringe. He, he's great theater, frankly. He's, he's just always fun to watch no matter what. And by the way, you mentioned three-on-three hockey earlier. Nobody better than him in three-on-three hockey. He's unbelievable. <laughs> he really uh, skims about uh, every inch of the ice surface in three-on-three. Yeah. He really uses every inch available to him there. Um yeah, listen, I, I mean, I, I happen to think the future is a little bit brighter there, at least in terms of stability. I, I, I my, my What's going to happen? Yes, they will need high-end stars. Obviously, we've been spoiled by 66 and 87 plus 71 and Francis and Yager and everybody else. Yes, we might be a little lean in the high-end superstar department, but that to me, the core is is strong, especially on the blue line there with uh, with Pojo and Dumo and all those guys. And look at how long a lot of those Gensel and Kapanen 
and rust. Look at how much longer the Penguins have those guys under control. It's not going to suddenly they're they're not going to be some bum team like the Hawks and the Wings and and ever, have had their swoons. I don't think that's likely to be on the horizon for these Penguins. Um, what do you think about uh, last thing here is Jack Eichel? We keep hearing that he's going to be moved there, and and uh, I, I guess that's the answer to me for somebody who says, "Man, I love this hockey season. This is such fun." Not if you're a Sabres fan, not if yeah. you're a Senators fan. Getting getting the crap kicked out of you night after night. Although I guess if you're the Sens, at least you get to play McDavid uh, <laughs> and, and that gang, and at least enjoy watching him all the time. But um, the uh, Where's Eichel going to land? Is he going to get moved? And is it within the division? And is it destined to be the blue shirts ultimately? Well, they could use them. Uh, boy, I tweeted the other day about how, how sorry I feel for the good people of Buffalo, New York. Um, that is truly a great sports town. The Bills Mafia gets a lot of love. But I'll tell you, the Sabres, they support the Sabres so well. And that is just a rotten franchise right now. I mean, they, they are painful to watch. I I don't cover them, but I know Except people- for the uniforms, the uniforms, the uniforms, yeah. this side of the Flyers, the most hated team in all the sports have the best uniforms that, in that all is- the sports. Sage don't look too bad either. No, I'd throw the Raiders in that mix as well. But uh, yeah, Raiders, I mean, right? the Sabres, they're a mess. Jack, I've heard from a lot of people who cover that team that basically feel like it's a matter of time until he's out. He, he's not happy there that they're not winning with him. It's the Ralph Kiner effect, right? You can come in last place with him. Like that, that's what they're doing. And he's not playing that well either. I mean, last season he was great. I mean, I thought he was maybe one of the five best players in the league last season. He certainly isn't now, but that said, he is a supremely gifted player. The Rangers need a center that that would make a lot of sense um, to get him in New York. He'd be such of a star there too. And I've heard Boston a lot. He's a New England kid. Uh, the Bruins, I'm sure, would be intrigued. I don't know how they could make it work with the cap and what they really have to offer. But those are the two teams you hear the most. But I, I don't know that it will happen this season. But 12 months from now, do I think he'll be playing elsewhere? Uh, my sense is yes, I think he probably will be. Well, if he does move this season, though, and it lights a fire under him, it uh, obviously could swing the division and who ends up winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Okay, what for real last question now. Two last questions. One who is at this point the division MVP? Ooh. And, uh, and it's funny because I don't think anybody presents properly as a candidate to win the Hart Trophy this year. Out of the, out of oh. the Pasternak sat down for a little stretch there, so maybe that hurts. So maybe he can still get into it. Um, but I don't really see anybody. I think it's now kind of like McDavid's award to win because you know, dry hasn't put up big numbers and now Matthews is sitting down. So it seems like it's going to be McDavid, yeah. right? I, McDavid or Matthews don't, don't uh, underestimate the Toronto media. Um, they, but then again, McDavid's Fair. from and Matthews is an American. So that'll probably still give McDavid the edge anyway, let's be honest. But, uh, and he is the best player in the game right now. So that's fine. But uh, to answer your question, if I had to pick one MVP from the division, that's actually a really good question. Every time I watch them play, I watch Brad Marchand play. I think this guy is just such of a great hockey player. Like he he keeps getting better. Like he's in his 30s now. And, and I man, I just and I and I think that whole line is the best line in hockey. 
And Bergeron's never the wrong pick. I Sidney Crosby told me one time, Patrice Bergeron is the most underappreciated player in this era, and it's not even close. And I, he might be right. Ooh, that's Mark, a great comment. That's uh, right. Oh, Bergeron drives him nuts when he plays against him. I think that's that's part of the problem. But I'd probably pick Marshawn. I just think that guy, man, the two-way game that he played, uh, he's he is a truly special hockey player. You see, that's why this is so great, because he's also as loathsome a human being as walks the planet Earth. Oh, yeah. Uh, this side of Tom Wilson. And then the <laughs> Flyers are all hateable just by definition. They're all just uh, grotesque human beings. Uh, this is why the, this is why I, I, I ask for nothing else. And I don't just mean this season. If you said this is how it's going to be from now till the end of time, I would sign off on that in a heartbeat. I, I love it. Now, Yoey. We got to track you down to do, we, we really have to do, I've, I've chased you on this. You have the resources, you have the connections. Mm -hmm. We need to do a proper investigation into what happened, what white collar crime or otherwise, 1989, that they took that heart trophy that belonged to 66 Lemieux and gave it away to somebody else who I'm not going to name here. Um, That was an outrage. We have to talk about that, but let's wrap it up. Win play show uniforms in the nhl you can go with these reverse retros if you want you can go with the standard get-ups i'm talking about uniforms that you will see this year in the nhl while you think about it because it's unfair to spring it on you i'm gonna go win the philadelphia flyers Mm. in their orange sweaters those are number one those are like i say the raiders are the only potential rival to that i'm gonna go with the sabers the white sweaters Oh yeah, barely. And then the real, and then this, the third spot is really tough because I love the Islanders. Blue, mm-hmm. I hate, I hate the Islanders too, but I can't uh, deny the greatness of those getups. Love the saber. I, I love the, um, I love the, but I, I, I have to go with the purple Los Angeles Kings. Ooh. Sweet, the great choice. I love all of your choices. Uh, for me. Number one is the old school Quebec Nordique slash Colorado Avalanche jerseys that they've been wearing as their third jersey, the white ones. I can't get enough of those. That's number one. Lee. I love it. Um, number two, I would go with your Sabre selection. Uh, I, I absolutely love those, no doubt. And number three, I just got to go with the old school red Red Wings. I've, I love the Red Wings uh, sweater, especially in person. It just jumps out at you. It looks, looks different than anyone else. Boy, it's so true. You, you you hit the nail on the head when you're there in the arena and you see that skate out under the ice, that all red. It's just it, there's something to it that's glorious. Some person, like the Penguins white sweater in person is great. Like it just jumps out at you. It's so much better than that garbage they were wearing 10 years ago. It really is. Like, thank God they've gone back oh, to yeah, the old. Yeah, Vegas. That, was, that was that was a crime. That was one of the few missteps by 66 when he, when he yeah. allowed uh, – uh, what's his name? The wife to design that weird penguin logo in '93. I I submit that maybe they don't lose the Stanley Cup. Maybe David Volick doesn't happen. That they that uh-huh. they poked at the sport. You don't change your uniform when you're in the middle of a dynastic run. And they got. I'm not gonna say they got what they deserved, sure. but you start messing with the gods like that mid dynasty. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's That's no big surprise in Volick. Baldwin. And by the way, I am ready whenever you want to have a lengthy podcast about the 1989 heart trophy vote 
It's the biggest crime in the history of sports. Uh, you know I am on board to discuss that at all times. There are still people in the Penguins organization enraged about it some 32 years later, so I'm all for it. Yeah, well, guess what? This guy talking to you right now is still livid about it. And yes, we will uh, we will track down our mutual pal, Dell, uh, to do that. And we'll do it yes. in the memory of our uh, mutual online pal, uh, Great Balls of Fire, Richie Perkins, and uh, because he was livid about that one uh, his whole life, too. But uh, in the meantime, Josh Yo, you can hear he knows it all about uh, the world of puck, specifically what's going on in the Patrick division. Track him down on the athletic. Great insight there, not just on the Penguins, but uh, like I say, on everything going down in the NHL. We appreciate the time, pal, and uh, and let's do it again sooner rather than later and bring your pal Caboli around, and we'll settle all Pittsburgh hash. And in the meantime, try to remind everybody, it's still the city of champions. We have five cups. We have five Lombardis. The sky ain't falling, everybody. Everything will be just fine. You are correct. And uh, it was a pleasure anytime, my friend. Oh, man, good stuff. And we really did just skim the surface there with him, Spaghetti. What did you think? Should we bring Yoey back on the show? Uh, he was great. I mean, I any excuse to talk some puck, I'm all, I'm all for it. And he was uh, he told some really good stories, especially the uh, OV friendship kind of circle with Malkin and, and Crosby. I love that part. I think he was a little off. I, I think the Flyers are going to be good for a long time. And I agree with his Bruins pick. I do have the Bruins, I think, are going to win the Stanley Cup. A little off on the Rangers' future, but... You know what? When he's watching the Rangers play the Penguins, and the, they've only won once this whole entire season, uh, I can't entirely blame him. But I will say, things have gone miserably for the Rangers, like with the Panarin stuff, and then the Tony D debacle, and you know, moving on from Henrik Lundqvist, who's been their goalie and net for seemingly forever, um, and their two top picks are not really scoring the, the uh, points. And they're only two points behind Philadelphia right now. So I'm not, the sky is not falling. Things are still going to be okay. This wasn't supposed to be the year anywhere. So we'll see what happens. All right. Yeah. And so you don't have to get upset. I mean, you, you, you fell silent after that spaghetti. I thought you were going to have more pointed questions for him about the blue shirts, but he hurt feelings or something. I think the, the dagger. Yeah. To pull the dagger out, but he's not, like I said, he's not entirely wrong. Uh, I have just more faith in them. And I, I am, you know, he's consumed by the penguins. I'm consumed by the Rangers. So obviously we have a little bit of different information, but things have gone, you know, the opposite of what people thought this year with those top two picks and with the defense, especially, I know you've pointed out that the defense has not been great. Uh, now with another injury to Shesterkin, their top, you know, the guy who was supposed to come in and replace Lundqvist is now has this mysterious leg injury. So things are very weird. Mika's is a not really scoring like we thought he would like these are guys in their prime uh trying to help these young kids out so it's been weird but like i said they're still in the mix you know they there might be the five upper teams but they're the the sixth spot right there like they're they're still kind of knocking on the door so i'm not i'm not totally you know i'm not waving the white flag yet i it it's not crazy that they could they're in striking distance it's just that like we talk about the the five teams in front of them are all loaded and could conceivably win any of the other divisions in the league and i don't think that's a stretch to say that i mean i think tampa probably oh well anyway yeah i mean they're they're five heavyweights let's put it that way but anyhow more hockey talk coming at you later in the week with spaghetti and meatballs we do that at the back end of our second podcast every week they do a deep dive on uh, on the world of pucks specifically again on that on that division so we'll look forward to that and uh, in the meantime to add to what is already like i've said already a very juicy month of march FanDuel is hooking you up weekend long during the players championship dig this the under par bonus available at FanDuel sportsbook best of all 
new and existing users can cash in whether or not your golfer even wins. It doesn't make a difference if he wins or loses. Here's how it works. You get up to $5 in site credit for each stroke. Your golfer finishes the tournament under par. So you spin the under par wheel to determine your bonus. All you have to do is bet $50 or more on the outright winner. So just be sure to get your bet in before the TPC tees off on Thursday to be eligible. Who do you like here, Spaghetti? I guess I'll go Bubba is who you like. I'm going to go with Rory here. I think uh, that'll be my pick. How say you? Bryson DeChambeau has been hitting really well lately. I I know he's had a a few victories. Uh, Obviously, you can't discount Dustin Johnson, Rory, uh, guys like that. But yeah, I I think I may go with uh, Bryson DeChambeau. All right, that's fine. You can get all your golf bets there at uh, FanDuel Sportsbook because, of course, it's the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. That means that there are even more ways for you to win all tournament long. Will you do me a favor, listener? Sign up with the promo code minus three. It's the word minus the number three so that they so, so that, uh, they know that I'm the one who sent you over there. FanDuel Sportsbook promo code minus three all right and that's that spaghetti what did you think was that a good episode today there's a lot of a lot of puck if you don't like puck i don't know you know a lot of people don't people it's like those weirdos who do the thing i'm always resentful when i'm like what kind of music you like i like it all i like everything except country like well first of all country's good and two i bet you don't like trance edm like you don't like everything and when people say, oh, yeah, I'm a huge sports fan. Oh, yeah, what's your favorite hockey team? Not that into hockey. I really don't follow hockey. Well, then are you a sports fan in the U.S. of A. in the 21st century and you're not following hockey? I hope that we've helped to fill in some blanks for you there so at least you can have, if nothing else, you can have a decent conversation and uh, and know where to put your loot going forward with uh, with this glorious regular season. I'm totally with you on that. And I will say to fight Sal's point that he gets bored of it. I mean, if let's just say if you're not even a hockey fan at all, but you kind of like a team in your area, you're going to learn so much more about that team and their rivals because you're just so used to their opponents now. And I think it's a great thing. You know, if I, you know, if me and you, like our teams, let's say they go play the Calgary Flames, it's, uh, you know, a couple years back, if they go and drop one of the Flames, they go drop one to the Oilers, they drop one to San Jose. You're just like, ah, whatever. It was a West Coast trip or it was a Canada trip. You don't really care as much about it. But when they lose to the Flyers and they lose to the Bruins, they lose to the Islanders, they lose to the Devils, that is what really bothers you. I think that alone is what makes these these weird divisions so fun. And especially with the division we cover, you know, we push a lot of the mass mutual, but there's a lot of good teams, a lot of good players. And, um, you know, there's been a, we have a lot of NBA shows on this network and we always talk NFL. So us being the, 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 the torch carriers for the NHL, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Cause it, it is has been really, really fun to watch this season. Excellent. Well said there, Spaghetti. And you know what, let's uh, cut it off right here so we can post this one in time so that uh, we can put our feet up and watch your blue shirts against my Pittsburgh Penguins and uh, watch some conference tournaments and uh, the NBA's return on Wednesday and a deeper schedule getting going on Thursday and beyond there. We'll be back with uh, with a second episode with Kevin Hench for you on Minus 3. We appreciate you subscribing and downloading and all that and make sure you're listening to uh, me and Cousin Sal chop it up on Extra Points plus all the other shows on the network and... Uh, I guess until uh, until Thursday. Thanks so much, boys. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>